You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broken records. The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty LaPone. Broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record. Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Ben Rimmelauer, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Daniel Nolan. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is Broadway star Telly Leung, here to talk about Patti LuPone Live. Telly recently concluded a 21-month run in Aladdin on Broadway. As Aladdin on Broadway. Excuse me. Chaka Khan! His other Broadway credits include Allegiance, In Transit, Godspell, Pacific Overtures, Flower Drum Song, and Rent. As Rent! Stop. Telly's going to talk to us about Patti LuPone Live, the greatest night in, in show, show business, business history. 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 When I once made a playlist or a mix CD, if you will, <laughs> of, well, no, it was a mix CD at the time. The I original mean, playlist was just I was a mix calling, CD. I was calling it a playlist, but it wasn't. It was, well, it was in a sense, because actually I literally made a playlist on iTunes An and then burned list. it on a CD. You copy? We've all done that, yeah. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying it's not wrong to call it a playlist because it actually was a playlist, but it was. But you didn't listen to it. No, as correct. A playlist. I listened to it as okay. a CD. Go on. Anyway, it was songs I wanted Patty to possibly do as like a like club hit. <laughs> like a oh, I see. You know, um, a Tina Turner song that I'd put on was "River Deep Mountain High." Uh, well, that's before I heard every piano bar waitress in America sing it. I don't think Patty that would be a good song for Patty though. I just imagined her being like, "When I was a little girl, I had a rag doll. Oh, it died, and I'm gonna love you just the way I love that rag doll." You just want to hear her say "doll, doll." She's the doll. She is doll. Uh, yeah. Um, what are some other songs that you want to hear Patty sing? From that playlist no, or just from just my life? in general. Top three. Top three. Oh, we my God. Oh my we God, don't oh have God. all night. Okay. Um, well, this is so basic, and I've resisted it for years, but it's been occurring to me lately that I really do want her to sing The Man That Got Away. Mm. Do you like that song? For some reason, I thought you hated it. Because I don't want people to do it, because I think they fuck it up. Is it one of those songs 
Well, we don't get to that. But this is what the man that got away is she about. She never for sang me. that song. She never has. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. Yeah. See, Liza I mean, that would be a about, wonderful song for her. It'd be a wonderful song. You know why? Because here's the thing: what that song is about, and this is, of course, what Judy did better than anybody, is that mm-hmm. like you have to be. It's not just that there's the build of the song from the, the build, beginning to yeah, the end, for sure. But each of the three sections mm-hmm. has its own build, and you do need to get very big. But you don't want to get too big. You have to say something to do. And also, Judy understood that vowel thing of, like, um, that, you know, um, fools will be fools. And where has he gone to? And, like, you want to be like, tell. But Judy kept that ooh so pure. (laughs) Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. she still, and she went from that big ooh vowel. She does does that thing where it's like, yeah, what a decrescendo. Well, yeah, and then she eases into the, the road. See, yes, whereas I want Patty to be like, fools, where is he fools? And where has he gone to? Oh, the road. Yeah. Like, in being alive, like, the, like, you know, alive is alive, not alive. Yeah. Somebody cried I was love with no breath. Same with, as if we never said Boulevard, yes, 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 yes. Uh, I've come home at last, and this time we'll be bigger. She doesn't do bigger. Thank you. Through to the end. Yeah. And then brighter. And just when you think the belting climax is over, (laughs) 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 Mazel Tov. This is why I sound like Bernadette. (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. Fog, bro. Well, we are so fucking thrilled today to have as our guest the most amazing Telly Leung. Hi. We, give, we give you a proper intro when you're not here, so that's right. why you're getting in, in face-to-face. I'm so excited to be here. We're so, we're so excited to have you, and I am so excited that the album you wanted to talk about was Patti LuPone Live. Well, Ben, I figured if you were like, is there an album that's been very influential? And I don't because it's you that asked, I was like, oh, I have to pick a Patti album. Yeah. I, I have mean, to. That was, that was a great answer. Yeah, you're already getting brownie points. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, talk to us about that. But also, I I also feel like now since this album early '90s, right? What do we say this this came out ninety ninety three? So I also feel like there's a whole generation of people that don't know mm-hmm. this album, right? And uh, so uh, this was I remember this was one of those you know double disc CDs yeah, back totally. when people had CDs, it and was there was like, a separate highlights version available, right? Which I, <gasps> Can't tell you yes. how many friendships have ended for me because they bought that. <laughs> <laughs> real. But also, I mean, like when you're when you're a young teenager, you know, growing up in New York City, you're like, one day I too shall do enough Broadway shows and be a big a big enough Broadway diva that I will a merit an entire second disc of one eleven o'clock number after the next. I mean, right, she goes, right. it's insane what she's doing. The whole now. second. And disc. now that like now that like I'm actually a Broadway singer and a pro, I listen to that and I go, how did she? How does she do that? How does she go from one yeah. killer belt song to the no, next? She actually did have um, vocal trouble during the run. It was a two-week run at the Westwood Playhouse, uh-huh. the, which is the Geffen now. Um, and I remember uh, I had seen like one of the first shows, and then several were canceled because she lost her voice. It's hard. It's hard. This yeah. was. I mean, I now that now that I'm an actual performer, and I know how difficult eight times mm-hmm. a week is, and you know, you have you get one good eleven o'clock in a show, right? And right. so to have them all in a row like that, I was like, all right. But Patty, you're kind of like a beast, aren't you? I don't think of you as one of these. Oh like... gosh. Well, you know, I too, I too had my fair share of vocal troubles too. You know, and actually, like I, I don't know, it was back in twenty twenty sixteen. Um, I had vocal surgery 
too. You did. I did. And so, you know, actually like reading. Like that kind? Yeah, like, I had a, well, I didn't have the same thing Patty did. Um, Patty was always hemorrhaging, I guess, because she had like a, I, I believe what she had was like an exposed blood vessel. Mm-hmm. And I actually had what they called a pseudocyst, which is basically the easy way to describe it is it's like when you wear shoes that don't fit, you get a blister mm-hmm. yeah. on your feet. I basically had a blister, but it was on my vocal cords. So like you still have to like get put under a, a, a surgeon has to go in and like pop the blister. And so it's scary. It Did is, it is still sharp objects. Your voice? Absolutely. Because <gasps> it's, it's always like sharp objects oh. coming at your vocal cords. Wow. So it's, it's scary. Vocal surgery is scary because uh-huh. these two tiny little things in your throat are your entire career. career. Yeah. So I remember when I was being very quiet and recovering and, and you know, being afraid of surgery, I read Patty's book mm. because she talks about it extensively about yeah. that time in her life and, and that actually she's the... I feel like she's the success story, right? Because I feel like right. now that now that people when people listen to Patty, she sounds better than ever. Oh yeah, you know yeah. she just turned seventy and she's singing better than yeah. ever. So you and, were at the and healthy Philharmonic. I uh, know. I wish I was. I oh, wish I was yeah. able to be well, there. Well, so many of these songs she's still singing. I yeah, know, totally. And in the same keys, so you yeah. go, mm. all right. Well, you know, she's doing something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The key thing it's a little out of control nowadays, though. I have to say, people yes. are so hyper conscious about the keys, and it's like. I mean, like, you know, I do the show with the Countess and we have all these guest stars, you know, and they talk about, like, I, I have, like, these, I won't say the name, but a guy who, like, wants to sing this song in this high key, and I have to, like, keep convincing him to take it down a step, and it's, he sounds better, yeah. and he nails it when it's down. Mm-hmm. And nobody's sitting in the audience with a pitch pipe. Right. Or, it's it's know, not like, saying, and this is, way, this is an A and Countess not Countess and Friends. Yeah. It's not like you're in some Sondheim show and he wrote this key because it's the brighter tone of the character's mm-hmm. angst. I mean, you know. But you know what? I'll say this. So having worked with Stephen Sondheim, I did Pacific Overtures, and I remembered mm-hmm. we were doing, we were doing some number. I think it was, I think it was Chrysanthemum Tea uh-huh. or something. And I remembered... You know, Paul Gemignani was like, so do we like this key? You know, he's there doing music rehearsals. And we're like, what do you mean do we like this key? This is Sondheim. Isn't this like the Bible? Isn't this like written in stone? We're not allowed to change it. Paul Gemignani literally picked up his cell phone, called Stephen Sondheim and said, "Uh, we're going to do this half a step up. Is that all right? And like, he was like, yeah, sure. You know, because it's a living, breathing thing. And, yeah. and Steve, Sondheim and maybe he had said, a reason for that yeah. original key that was important, or maybe that was situational too. It was situa- probably situational. He wrote it for a specific actor and yeah. basically said, Oh, is this key comfortable for you? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, even somebody like Stephen Sondheim's like, Yeah, change the key. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so crazy. I mean, it's the wicked and alpha, but I think that's like where it's become. And in a way, Patty kind of started that whole thing. And, you know, Patty and Betty and the whole high Oh, yeah. Right, right. But it's so, I mean, like now they're talking, I know so many people want Patty and Mandy to do a reunion concert of Evita. Oh, wow. And Mandy says he can't sing it. And I'm like, first of all, he can. I think he can. I mean, I saw when they did their concert totally. together. Mm-hmm. He was Where better was than she was. At the Barrymore, probably, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like, when he did Oh, What a Circus, I, I was blown away. It was I'm even better than moments. Don't Crack Me, Argentina. It was, And for me to think that is that's how great it was. Yeah. And so maybe he's right. Maybe he needs to change some of the keys. Obviously, he's referring to some fact that he has about his voice. But clearly, he can sing it in a way that we will all be very happy with. I think it's also mm-hmm. interesting. You know, Mandy isn't somebody that's singing eight times a week. Yeah. So there is a certain element of, like, you're you're a little bit, like, a little bit out of shape or nervous right. that you're not, right. you know what I mean? Be like when to. you're doing somebody who sings all the time and you're doing eight shows a week, even my ENT says, um, all of you guys that do eight shows a week, you're a little Broadway swollen. 
Like even when he oh. and looks at our chords, he goes, there's normal people's vocal chords that are like, you know, not red and not swollen. He's like, and then I look at normal Broadway chords and there is a baseline of normal where everybody who's working on Broadway, your chords are slightly swollen, they're slightly red, but it's almost a good thing. That's your baseline. That's yeah. normal. You use your voices for it's a like living eight times a week. when you go to the gym and then you're a right. swole. You're swole. Yeah, you're swole. I wouldn't you're, know you're about that, I mean, that. But that's really what it is. When you're warming up, you're doing scales to warm up. You're basically pumping blood into your vocal cords so that they're warm. So our vocal cords tend, because we use them all the time, tend to be yeah. just a little more swollen. So I would say some, even somebody like Mandy probably, you know, has incredible. Like I remember hearing him sing Move On at that concert mm-hmm. with, with Bernadette Peters and the yeah. both of them. Oh, yeah. How many years later still singing that Move On yeah. in that game? Yeah. She even gave glorious. you a little like, let others make that, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that night she delivered. It's just in their, it's in their muscles. It's yeah. just in there. Yeah. But it's, it's scary when you don't use it yeah. often. And, you know. He's so, just, okay, going back to you discovering oh, this yeah. 11 o'clock numbers, this and the mm-hmm. whole thing. Now, I mean, so I think you're younger than me. So where, where were you in, in well, this moment? I don't know. I don't know if I'm younger than I'm 39. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. but I, but I remember, I remember getting the double disc. This was back in the day when there were like UCD stores. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know how many of your listeners remember that, but like the used CD. Oh, it's a I big that. deal. And I got yeah. the double, di- it was a used, it was in like a used CD thing. So it was a deal. Right. Cause you know? it could have been $25 right. new, right. but you I think this was like nine bucks or, or $10. Yeah. Or and this something. was in New York where you this bought was, this? I can't remember where it was, but I do remember probably New York because you grew up I grew York up City. in New York. Right. So it was probably, you know, it was probably, yeah, some used CD shop. You know, one of the, they used to have like Discorama or was that what it used right. to be called? Yeah. Like the $10 CDs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. this probably cost a little more because it was a double disc. It was probably like 13 bucks or something. Right. Right. But you know, that was the cheap way to get CDs and maybe the case was a little cracked or do you mean and that's that's usually what it was but the CDs were fine and and I remember getting that there and I remember you already like a fan of I was a theater fan yes so I was a theater fan and I'm trying to think if I if I had seen Patty live by then and I'm not sure if I had I remember very vividly seeing Patty in a play I remember vividly growing up and seeing Patty in that noises off Uh revival Uh And I right with like Faith Prince was in right. that too. That was and, um, ten years later after the album. That was after the album, yeah. but I remember vividly seeing her in that. And I'm trying to think if I'd seen Patty live in something. I definitely saw this concert at the Kerr on Broadway when she Patty. did this oh, at the Kerr. Wow. The crazy thing. So I went to high school in the city, and um, as an after school job to save money for voice lessons and stuff, I worked at, as a file clerk mm-hmm. at some insurance company. My my high school was Stuyvesant High School, which was downtown by Battery Park City near all these office buildings. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to interview for an after school job at this insurance firm, they were like, oh, you like theater. Why don't you go to the entertainment insurance place at How Gulf funny. Insurance downtown? And so it was. Gulf Insurance was insuring a lot of Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. And one of the shows they insured was this concert Amazing. so i remember wow. they were like we got we just got comps you know to this the office got comps would you want to go and i remember seeing this for free wow. this concert wow. sitting in the cur and watching this concert had you already listened well i guess the cd probably i think then, i but... had listened to this already yeah because oh, i knew so the order. I, I remember seeing oh. right i remember seeing it and knowing it in order yeah um i i before this album though i had gotten the patty sunset 
mm-hmm. I feel like. No, after. But well, you after, might have read but it my, I don't think I bought this right, in 93. Right, right, right. I don't mm-hmm. think I bought this when it came out. Yeah. I think I bought this much Were after. Were you into, later. like, div- like, did you oh, have, absolutely. like, the other oh, yeah, solo yeah, yeah. albums? I'm a big, absolutely. Big Betty Buckley time. fan. Big. Oh. I had the Elaine Page album, that Encore's album, with, like, right. all the 11 yeah, Costs and sure. all that. The yeah. studio recordings. I had all those albums. Mm-hmm. Who was your number one? Who was, like, your uh, intro? Uh, you know, like, like you have your special relationship with Patty. I Mine was Betty, for sure. <gasps> wow. Betty Buckley, absolutely. Well, those were amazing Betty years because, yeah. I mean, you know, I remember... Uh, Around the time that she was going in replacing Patty and Sunset in London, she had just released two studio albums, uh-huh. and then immediately she had uh, a London concert album and a Carnegie Hall concert. Yes, album. I had all of them. So it was four back to back of her in the craziest, amazing, amazing voice. voice. I mean, arguably, oh, yeah. you could easily make a case for Betty being the best of all of them. The best, I mean, yeah. certainly, technically incredible. You know, yeah, belt. it was incredible. Her voice was incredible. I mean, she. There was something like what I love. She. I also enjoyed Betty because, like, there was something uh, you never really heard, like the the mix part of her voice. No, there was. She sang like a man, like a man, and, like a man in a lot of ways. <laughs> like there was a like tenor. a ma- there was a very like mask. Even yeah. like her back in the day doing violin, uh-huh. like he plays the violin. You totally. were like, I don't, I don't understand that like resonance and that brightness and that mm-hmm. like weight. That they did not appreciate. I mean, they went out. This is how you know they're homophobic. And they made the movie of 1776 (gasps) with the entire original cast, except they replaced Betty Buckley. (laughs) The only track I care about on the Broadway album is Betty. This is a hate crime that you've omitted. That you've omitted. Did you hear now? um, What's her name? Diane Paulus is doing an all-female. I've heard. Yes. Brilliant. I am very curious to know what that's going to be like. Yeah. Maybe I'll finally get into the score after all these years of missing the boat. Yeah. Um, So okay. You listened to the Patty album. That's I did. Time. And you know, and what I also appreciated was so the second side was all Broadway tunes that we mm-hmm. knew. And all yeah. this, and also it was also an education because she told you about the show. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. you know, like so much. Like I had heard like Betty Buckley points. do Be- yeah. Meadowlark. I didn't know the story behind Meadowlark and that the show was a big flop and that nobody came to the Kennedy Center. And the way Patty tells it is hysterical. So I mean, the good, fact yeah. that that patter is captured on a CD. Yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot on of a, cap- on its own track. Yeah. David Merrick hated the song I'm about to sing for you and was overheard in a bar in Boston saying, I'll get that song out if I have to poison the bird seed. <laughs> the next day was a matinee day and David Merrick snuck into the theater and down into the orchestra pit and pulled all of the charts from this particular song, locked them in his attache case and went back to New York. That was the first time the song was out. The song was out, the song was in, the song was out, the song was in, the song was out, the song was in. I mean, I do a lot I'm, of cabaret myself, yeah. and I go, this is, this is how patter should be done. This is yeah. brilliant. She I need patter on its own track. What does she say about the, the balcony seats? That's how you know. They couldn't find, they, we couldn't find them. You know, it says a lot about somebody that buys a second row, a third row balcony seat and decides, and decides to, to stay, stay there. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, I love that. Our, our auspicious opening yeah, at yeah, the Kennedy yeah, Center yeah, Theater. 2,500 seat theater we played to. 25 people. I mean, like, the patter is so brilliant. Yeah. The delivery of it yeah. is... And that's, you know, that's a testament, too, to... to was it right? Was it... Um, who wrote the... Jeffrey Richman. Yeah, those guys... The executive producer of Modern Family. Yeah, those guys who who crafted yeah. this show for mm-hmm. her were so yeah. smart. Mm. 
Um, well, it's her, I mean, it's straight through now to the Philharmonic show. She's still working with Jeffrey Richmond and Scott Whitman for everything. Yeah, that team. She's done, yeah. It's really and having great. just seen that show and the, now listening to this, I'm like, it really is very similar as, as far as especially the number she chooses and, like, the way she tells the story. It's, it's great. So, like, like, I didn't know. I didn't know she was the first Fontaine. I had no idea mm-hmm. until I was like, oh, right, she did it in London because I, I, I always had the Randy Graff recording, right, Broadway recording. I didn't mm-hmm. know. You know, same thing with, it was stuff, stuff like, um, even stuff like I'm looking through the I'm th- looking mm-hmm. through the list right now, but like, you know, oh, like all of this stuff in here about oh the Nancy and Oliver. Yeah. I did not mm-hmm. know she did that. Right. Well, that mm-hmm. was such a flop that revival. Oh, really? And yeah. like, I didn't know. I didn't know. See, it was Karen McIntosh, and then um, it was oh. a bomb. And then when he did it in London with Jonathan Price a few years later, he got a new direct because that had been like a retread of the original. Then he got actually, I think it was Sam Mendes. Mm-hmm. Somebody great yeah. directed it in London. She did not sing that one in the Philharmonic, right? As long no. as he needs the recent I one. Yeah. I mean, that's also great too because that's again brilliant comedic patter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I steal costumes. I steal costumes from every show I'm yeah. in. I steal costumes. I steal jewelry. I steal wigs. I'm surprised I leave the scenery. <laughs> I can't wait to get my hands on that Norma drag. Brilliant. Well, and that coupled with that Twitter post she just posted of her with the Evita, was it the wig? The wig. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So good. Although then she sold everything on eBay in the the early aughts. At some point, I mean, I guess when you're Pied Lapone and you're a living legend, at some point you go, it's just sitting in my garage. Right. I have the memory of what this is. With a bunch of jerseys. I'm glad she's like giving it to Columbia Archives now. When she was selling it on eBay, I was a little like, whatever. My, my, um, My hubby works at the Smithsonian. So I don't know. Oh. Maybe Patty should give some of that stuff. No, here's, oh, absolutely. Here's Patty Lapone's wig from Evita. Well, her famous story is when they asked her to screen test for the movie of Evita. <laughs> At one point when they were in the 80s and they were uh-huh. in between Liza Minnelli and Barbara Streisand or whatever, Patty said the commercial's in the Smithsonian. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. <gasps> I also Damn. respect the fact that, like, disc one, so disc two was, like, her his, the history of her. Uh-huh. But disc one, she had all these great Kurt Vile songs. I didn't know who Kurt Vile was. Me either at the time. Right? Yeah. So, like, listening her, to her do Stranger, you know, Stranger Here, Myself, and all oh, of those yeah. songs. You see here before you a woman with a mission. I must discover the key to his ignition. And then if he should make a diplomatic proposition... How could I possibly refuse? How could I possibly refuse? When I'm a stranger here myself? All these great songs. Like, you know, Surabaya Johnny, like all that stuff, like... The songs that I wouldn't know, Lush Life. I didn't yeah. know Lush Life. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I love her. Her, love, Lush her Lush Life is so crazy. Like, Tempt me to madness. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. It, they're so, it's so, so good. Then you came along with your siren song to tempt me to madness. I thought for a while that your poignant smile was tinged with the sadness of a great love for me. I was wrong. 
you remember Show Music Magazine? I do remember Show Music Magazine. I was, like, deep when that would come out, a new issue. And I remember the reviews, uh, the review of that this album in Show Music. It was, it was like, reviewing three albums, Pat, Patty LuPone Live, and then two other, I don't know if it was, like, not Judy Kuhn. I, whatever, there was two other, like, vocal Broadway albums. And they were, like, the blah, blah, blah diva, the blah, blah, blah diva, and they called Patti LuPone um, the idiosyncratic diva. Oh. And they were sort of taking issue with the nasality of her voice and, like, the yodeling and the swooping. I mean, it was, like, really, for so long in that period, she was really getting red. Like, everything she did, people were, like, wow. coming for all the, like, Pattyisms. you know? That's so interesting, you know, because Patty, to me, like, she straddles this world of there's only one Patty, just like there was only one Merman, mm-hmm. and there was only, you know what I mean? Like, there's these iconic, there's only, only one, one Channing. Only one Judy. Yeah, there's only one Judy Garland. Like, you hear them, and you know who they are, and I feel that way about Patty. And then she's, she's also, she straddles the other world of that, like, like late 70s, early 80s musical where sort of women started to sound the same. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I can, tell, I can yeah. tell Patty's Fontaine, but like, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of Fontaines after that that you they all tell. sort totally. of sound the totally. same. Right. Do you know what I mean? And same thing with Evita's. Like, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I, she's from, she's, her tradition is from that world of... Yeah. It, it be- I don't know why she wasn't accepted for that for hmm. so long, but it is very evident on that album. And it is funny as, I mean... All those songs that you mentioned, the Kurt Vile songs and Lush Life, those were the first versions that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I definitely learned parts of the songs wrong by, by knowing that. Right. Or phrasing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, and then all, and then weird words that I never, ever made sense of, you know, uh-huh. until I've heard, you know, Betty Buckley sing them. And I was like, oh, it's goaded. You know, it's, it's, it was not something that was yeah. necessarily evident. To um to the listener, but, but I love it. I love her. But, okay, so Baby Telly listening to this yeah. and yeah. wanting to be a Broadway star, was this part of, you know, when you were dreaming about? Well, what were you dreaming about? I don't know what I was career? dreaming about. I mean, I probably listened to this album in my like high school years, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I mean, I don't know exactly when I bought it. We know the album came out in '93. Mm-hmm. I know I saw the concert at the Kerr. That was like '95. '95 ish, right? Yeah. So like. This album was definitely playing during those high school years. And just hearing, I mean, what I always appreciate about Patty, and she's done this in other albums. There's like the Don't Monkey Around with Broadway albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where she is, a, she is a creature of the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is unapologetically, I mean, that's why you can't really get mad at her when she's yelling at somebody about their cell phone because she mm-hmm. has such a, she, this is her home. Right. This is her right, temple. Right. And don't F with Patty. Well, like, and it's for the audiences. Yeah. Like I saw somebody post the other day. I, I would say his name if I could remember it, but he's somebody in some Broadway show now. And he was complaining on Twitter about the um, people with the phones and everything. But he was complaining about how it affects the actors. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at least pretend that your beef is how it distracts the right. rest of the audience. Right, right, right. right. Like, yeah. I mean, things are hard for actors anyway. I mean, listen, it like, is distracting for the actors. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I remember the, the the flying carpet in Aladdin is by far the dark. It's the most dimly lit scene, uh-huh. yeah. a whole new world. And the cell phones, I mean, you can see, I can tell you exactly the seat, right, of where somebody's sitting. Yeah. But it's also, I understand what you're saying. It's also my job to stay in it. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's. Well, and lots of things are probably distracting that yeah. are not anyone's fault. I mean, you know, people could sneeze or a subway yeah, train. We're, we're hyper aware. I don't, I don't, actually, I don't, I don't, I don't hear sneezes and coughs. Mm. I don't. Um, 
I feel like seasons and coughs I don't really get on my side. Yeah. I know for like playwrights and directors, like when they're in previews and they hear they are counting <gasps> the sneezes and coughs, yeah. right? Because it's like, uh oh. That's funny to hear, because as an audience member, I mean, so many, especially with straight plays, especially right. with older people, like I've seen a couple of matinees over the last few months when I was like coming <laughs> in all the Broadway openings and it was like, you know, Broadway shows before the Tonys, and I was like, you know, you just hear this like symphony of people. You just cursing people in their phlegmy. Uh, but uh, but it's. I guess it makes me feel a little better. At least think you know. At least maybe the actors don't hear. No, it I don't. I don't. I mean, that's me personally. I don't really hear yeah. it. I don't see it. But I get past the. But the fun. But the but lights you do see because when you you know for sure it's you. I it is definitely noticeable. I don't know if it would ever distract me to the point where I go up or I right. forget a line or yeah or like you know what I mean or I forget where I am. Well, seeing it's different than hearing it. That's where I think it yeah. really gets right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay, so you're you're at Stuyvesant. You're into Broadway. Were yeah, you seeing just, a lot of Broadway shows? I then? was. I would save up my money and I would go see um i would save up my money and go to the tkts booth or go play the rent lotto or get my 20 dollars mm-hmm. chicago seat if i felt like being inspired to go to dance class and that's what i did i mean when you were seeing rent were you like someday i'm gonna be angel uh, no no oh not i mean i mean i love that sh- that show it, it was my you know hamilton it was yeah. my spring yeah, awakening sure. it was my generation show that mm-hmm. that made me want to be a part of you know this community for mm-hmm. sure yeah because the show was about community right and so i uh, for sure, like I, I never thought I'd get to do it one day. That was like I remember. Did you not want? Was oh, that... of course I would want to. I and mean, did you want to be Angel or? You no, know, I just wanted to be in it. Like I, yeah. I would wanted to be anybody in it. So like when I got to be Steve and others and cover Angel, it was great because mm-hmm. I was like, the more tracks I know, the better on this right, thing. Right. I remember this this stage manager who uh, her name is Crystal. She was actually one of the original stage managers from New York Theater Workshop. Wow. And she put me into the show, and they gave me three weeks to learn my Steve and other tracks at the Needlelander Theater and. And the angel stuff. I, I learned my Steve and other stuff in like like three days or four days. Yeah. And she said, Telly, you've never done the show before? Like, and I was like, no, but I've been doing it in my head I just know for it, the yeah. last that 10 years. That double album. I mean, that's that double al- That yeah. double album too. But like, you know, the summer that Rent came out, it was like the summer of what, 96, 97? Like yeah. that was the uh-huh. year, right? That like, that was because it was only $20 to get your yeah. rush seat. <gasps> I, I did that all the time. I would sleep with the bums on 41st Street when it was not safe, when it was right. like kind of seedy, still a little bit seedy <laughs> sometimes, but like in the mid nineties, it was really seedy. Yeah. And I would get my $20 what, seat. How did your mind. parents feel about you sleeping? I didn't know what I was first doing. What did my, they chi- my Chinese parents that barely knew where Broadway was. I just, going to work yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go get tickets for a show. I'm going to line up at 5am, 4am, whatever it is. They did they were, ever come okay, to Okay, you're crazy. Be safe. Did they ever go to shows with you or? Well, so I, I they didn't really know what Broadway was. I kind of discovered Broadway watching tv actually uh-huh, uh-huh. um you know I, I i grew up with re- pretty strict chinese parents i had a tiger mom who was very adamant about academics i mean mm-hmm. sort of the stereotype mm-hmm. you know of like a strict chinese mom only because they were immigrants and they wanted me to have a good education and you know go to harvard and be mm-hmm. a doctor and have a better life than they did coming here as immigrants my dad worked in restaurants my mom worked as a seamstress so they were mm-hmm. like our, we want our kid to do better than that you mm-hmm. know understandably so so they didn't let me watch anything but pbs mm-hmm. as a little kid because it was educational that's where they went wrong yeah. right <laughs> And so, of course, like Into the Woods pops on, a great performance is. And that was my first exposure to musicals. Wow. Was oh, that yes. Filmed that Into the Woods. It was Bernadette. filmed live mm-hmm. from the Martin Beck Theater 
So you saw Into the Woods before you saw, like, Annie? I was eight. Yeah, I was eight years old. Oh, yeah. I guess my first musical exposure would be Mary Poppins and Sound of Mm -hmm, Music, right? Because those were the the things that played Mm -hmm. all the time. And, you you know, I learned all those songs. So I guess, you know, if anybody's really responsible, it's Julie Andrews for Into the Woods. Yeah, but I got it, though. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow, like, I because I knew those characters. I knew those fairy tale Mm -hmm. characters for sure. Yeah. And it was the style Mm -hmm. of how it was told that really grabbed me. I said, oh, this is funny. Okay, you're seeing Rent, you're seeing all that yeah. stuff. And so I would save up my money and I would go, you know, Disco-Rama, get my $10 mm-hmm. albums or go to Footlight. Remember Footlight yes. Records? Oh, on and you would go Street. be like, what import Japanese version of Evita can I, can well, I save up money to smart, buy? you you went to Footlight. The dumber kids Colony. went to Colony and paid like 12 times the price. Right. Well, you would go to Colony to be like, what just came out? Yeah. Right? But then, you, then would you, go go to Foot, you would go to Footlight but to try to get it. we'd be coming to visit from California and like we'd be doing family shit for like Thanksgiving, staying with my grandparents in Riverdale. And so I would only get like a couple of afternoons to like go down and like see a Broadway show. And it was like a big sacrifice sometimes i want to go down to footlight where i can buy more cds mm. but i don't really have time if we want to see a matinee i better just pay the upcharge and buy it at colony i mean this is so bad heartbreaking you know i didn't even think about taking taxis then it would have and remember like at footlight you could actually like put on headphones they would have like listening oh, sure. stations uh-huh. you could hear stuff also at tower records yeah which is right near footlight. Big, you would go to tower station. and you would just like listen to like yeah. whatever was sampling out. the cds yeah you would sample this open anything to hear yeah it was really it was really just a different time i but, spent so much time at tower Records. were you formulating your plan then to be an actor i don't know if i had a plan were you doing shows in high school i or? did high school musicals what and i love that and i well okay so my freshman year we did pippin and i played lewis and pippin that's the handsome brother that's the right that's yeah. like the and so my first time ever in a musical i was like i jumped on stage in white tights and i was like you know flexing my muscles and kissing yeah. myself and like were you like all my, buff and stuff then or no that, absolutely not on. so like i did that in front of my entire like student body and i was like it was trial by fire i was like if i could were you do that, like out no not at all but you were not ashamed to be no i don't you know listen I, I was first of all like first of all i you know you have to remember this is like early 90s sure right? yeah. so like Kids weren't coming out no, at no, high no. school. Mm-hmm. I don't really come out till like college. But that's course, why, as a gay kid, I was very restrained. Like if I had been cast in a part like that when I was in high school, I would have been traumatized because I wanted to like hide. Yeah. Um, but you were no. You felt and proud. also, like I don't know, like there was. I remembered like even my parents' relationship with dating. You know, mm-hmm. because they wanted me to do well in school. They're like, no time for dating. They're like, you must concentrate on school. You no were time like, for that. That's cool. No, right, right, right. Like, so like, God. so really, like even like the idea of like. You know, and also growing up in sort of an Asian culture, like, sex is not talked about, right? Yeah. So, like, we don't really talk about it very much. So, like, I didn't have the birds and the bees talk. I didn't have it. So, I was sort of a late developer in that uh-huh. way of yeah. thinking about that. And I, you know, I and I dated girls all through high school. Like, so that just wasn't really a thing. I didn't really ask those other questions until I got so to you college. So, you were thinking about no, being gay. No, Wow. Okay. I wasn't. I like I was just a guy who liked doing theater and I and I did I dated girls all through high school. Did you like have your girlfriends listen to Patty Lapone live? I remember <laughs> going with my high school sweetheart to see Rent sitting on the front yeah. row. <gasps> but and, Rent and, was cool. I right. It was cool. I mean it was really cool. So like I remember having that experience with her, you know, but like it was, you know, it wasn't really a thing. It wasn't until I got to acting school where they were like Did now, you go to NYU? I went to Carnegie Mellon. Oh, Carnegie Mellon. Where they were you sort of like and I remember like going, I went to a math and science high school in New York City where I wasn't asked to like 
ask any questions of myself, mm-hmm. right? And then I went to acting school, but I was a really good student. Mm-hmm. And then I went to acting school, and I was like being a really good student. I was like the person that read every book on Stanislavski and Strasberg. Right, and, right. and then I remembered like one of my first semesters in acting, they were like, I got a C. And it was like the first C I ever got. I was like that really smart Chinese kid in class that never got a C in his life. And my acting teacher was like, listen, the only way to do this is to actually dive in and do it. You, can, you can't study mm-hmm. acting like you study for a test. There's no test at the end of this. I know that's what you're used to your whole life. But like this thing that you're about to embark on about of being an actor, like it is a craft for the rest of your life. And it's going to demand that you ask tough questions of yourself and challenge yourself and fail. Mm. The only way you're going to learn anything is to like fall on your face and ask those, ask yourself those really hard questions that might be difficult to mm-hmm. ask. So, and, and you'll learn more about yourself and you'll become a better artist. Did you know what that meant? I, I mean... did. I now know what that means a little more now that I do more teaching, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't at the time. Was that frustrating to hear that? It was frustrating, but I eventually, as I started to, as I started to like be in that environment, being around those actors, I I got it. You know what I mean? And did that coincide at all with your coming out process? It did. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, I think that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way to like, there's no way to play a scene truthfully until you dive into your truth. Your own truth. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, in a way, like, yes, it, it was my parents' dream for me to like, I don't know, go to Harvard and become a doctor or a lawyer or something or, you know, have some cushy office job somewhere that mm-hmm. they didn't have. But at the same time, I don't know, like would I have been 35 with my cushy office job and never ask those questions and then come out at 40, do you know what I mean? And ask them later in my life mm-hmm. when I when when my mortality was looming. This this conversation is turning. <laughs> it's taking a big turn. But like that's really part right, of it. I feel yeah, sort yeah. of lucky that mm-hmm. the arts made me made me ask myself those things. Right, and, right. And I feel happier about that. You know? And you had those people like your teacher to direct you yeah. and say that. Yeah, I don't think my teacher was like, you're gay. But right. I think my teacher was like, you're not digging deep enough. But like, probably, I, don't, I don't believe it. Right. I don't believe it because I don't know you, I don't think you know who you are yet. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. very important for you to understand who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really good lesson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And... And the only way you really know that is if you're brave enough to not be afraid to fail yeah. and not be afraid to like ask tough questions. If you're afraid of the answer, you're not going to know. Yeah. So what are the things you did after that that employed that bravery? And, and mm-hmm. you know, what, what were the... I mean, sometimes you, you just have to like dive in and look a fool, right? I think, I think, with, I think going to a math and science school and, and you know, where, where there is a right or wrong answer to mm-hmm. the equation... Mm-hmm. You know, understanding that with the arts there is no right or wrong. That is something actually I push on my I push on my students all the time now. Mm-hmm. And so as I say to them, and now because my students now have YouTube right. and they watch, you know, before but they watch every version of Defying Gravity before they get up and sing it. And I was like, there is no right or wrong. Like you, what you have to do is right. find your version of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have YouTube, right? So mm-hmm. like I had I had cast recordings. I had right. Idle Lapone on a recording, and I had to use my imagination. But like if I had to get into a song that I would have to find my version right. of it. Let it come from you, then it will be new. Then it will be new. What, it's totally What about true. a situation like with Aladdin, where you're going into a big show that's like already running? I mean, yeah. I, I've been working with Leroy Reams on this cabaret show. I love show Leroy Reams. So much. But he's, I mean, he's, he's got so much to say about when he was in The Producers as a replacement mm-hmm. um, for Gary Beach, and when he also replaced Gary Beach in Beauty and the Beast. And how much of a struggle it was for him because he didn't want to do it the way that the of course. production already expected it to be done. And how do you, um, for yourself, reconcile that? And I mean, how would you explain that to your students? I think it's twofold, right? So when you say, if the gig is I'm originating a show, yeah, fine. It is your responsibility to to fill in the blanks, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it is if, if you are originating this role, 
the role only exists on paper. It is your job then to breathe life into mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? And to create the structure around whatever choice you're making mm-hmm. and know that you've been hired to originate that role because some the people that hired you believe that you are the, per- you are the yeah. right person to breathe life into this role for the very first time. Right. Well, if the gig is replacing... And I've, I've had bo- I've the pleasure of doing both, right? Like with Aladdin, I was replacing. Well, listen, the person they chose to do that was Adam Jacobs. Mm-hmm. He built a structure for what this show is, right? And it's a multi-million dollar musical that is a well-oiled machine that, you know, that runs around kind of what he built already. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he had all of these, he had two out-of-town tryouts to figure out what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why should I come in and reinvent the wheel, right? right I'm going right. to go, hey, Adam, what worked? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And like what works about this. And then, of course, within that structure that he's built, find my individuality in it mm-hmm. and, and find my way of getting into it. But there's but, you know, you are you are restricted by what has already been built for you. Right. But also understanding that what's been built for you has taken many years right. of many readings and workshops mm-hmm. and out of towns mm-hmm. to figure out what that is. So know that the legwork is done for you. And then and the challenge becomes as the artist to go, OK, within that rigid structure, where is me? Like, where, where mm-hmm. do I fit into mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. Or why was I brought into this, right? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I, I know for a fa- I, I know, like, I was given plenty of freedom around what I wanted to do with that role. Whenever I've been asked to replace, especially in shows like Rent, mm-hmm. like when, they, when it was time for me to understudy Angel, the first couple of shows I went on, I was trying to do a copy right. of, the, mm-hmm. of the actor. And actually, they were like, it's not good. They were flat out like, it's not good because the show is tables, chairs, lights, and people. Mm-hmm. They're like, if you're trying to mimic somebody, it, it comes off as false. Mm-hmm. And that falseness actually is magnified because there's nothing. There's nothing on that stage except you. So the only way for you to make this work is if you find your version of it. So, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. you hit your marks and everything, but you know, how I, even, even down to how I phrased it musically was up to me. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they were very good about that. And even in Aladdin, even in a big show like that, Casey was smart enough to go, yeah, make this yours, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to what you're saying about college. You know, there's no right or no wrong right or answer. Wrong. You have to know yourself and, yeah. you know, do yeah, it your way. Absolutely. For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic and as I told them, I am not. I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine what are you waiting for with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from breakfast to dessert stay fueled with easy nutritious options treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp and blackened salmon and kitchen time is kept to a minimum they are ready in two minutes no shopping no prepping no cooking no cleanup enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories 
calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's cool. So talk to us about that. You finished Carnegie Mellon. Did yeah. I'm straight to New York. Then? I did. I, I came to New York. Um, and I, I sort of had a crazy experience where, so my senior show in college was Company. And um, Billy Porter came back and directed me in Company. Were you Bobby? I was Bobby. Okay. Uh, and, um, and what happened was, you know, his, when he graduated Carnegie Mellon in 91, his first Broadway show was Miss Saigon. Mm. And, he uh, he joined that company as a, a John cover and as a first tenor and all of that. But he also met that small family of Asian actors mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. worked in New York City. And so um, when it was time for me to graduate, this was 2002, he knew that the Flower Drum Song revival was coming with so many of his Saigon friends that were involved. Mm-hmm. So he picked up the phone and he called his dance captain back in the Saigon days, this mm-hmm. gentleman named Mark Oka, called Mark and said, hey, I know you're working on Flower Drum Song. I have a couple of Asian kids that are I'm teaching at Carnegie Mellon. They're great. They have no agents or anything. So like, are you looking for people? And they said, actually, we are hiring. He goes, great, I'm, I'm going to send them down to you. Can you get them seen for Flower Drum Song? They were like, it's, except, you know, Telly is Bobby in company. He's in every scene and we're teching the show. He's like, he can't miss tech. (gasps) Right. So I teched the show till midnight. I got on a Greyhound bus from Pittsburgh to New York. I got to New York around like Port Authority around nine in the morning. Oh my God. Splashed some water in my face. I was at my first Broadway call at Ripley Greer. Yeah. (gasps) At Ripley Greer. That was my first, that was my first dance, Broadway dance. Wow. And that's how I got my first Broadway show. And you booked it. Yeah. Wow. And actually, ironically, they had heard that I'd come in from, that I was Billy's student, that I'd come in and that I was doing company. And at my call, at my, you know, I did the jazz call, they kept me. I did the ballet call, they kept me. And then they were like, here, read some signs, sing some, sing some songs to cover, right? And I ended uh-huh. up covering Jose Lana in the show. And um, they were like, they were like, we hear you're doing company, sing Being Alive. <gasps> so I actually sang, got to sing Being Alive in my audition, which was great. Yes. And, which Patty does a great version oh, of. Oh, of course. That super yeah, fast yeah, yeah. version of Being Alive on her it gets faster and album. faster every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But alone is alone. Not alone. Somebody crowd me with love. Somebody force me to care. Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there as frightened as you to help us survive. Being alive. Being alive. Being alive. Yeah. Belting a big old high E at the end. I was like, yeah. oh, gosh. 
Yeah, fuck, I do love that number. I I remember seeing you in Flower Drum Song and noticing you. Oh, really? Well, Even though I was the f- f- fourth fan dancing boy on the left? I, well, you know, I'm, I think I'm conflating my memories because I saw you in Flower Drum Song and I saw you in Pacific Overtures. You probably remember, I had songs in Pacific Overtures, so maybe you would remember there that was, more. There well, was you a, have my favorite There was a reading that. of Sunfish. Where you, yes. And I remember seeing you in that. Uh-huh. And it was like at NYU, like on 2nd uh-huh. Avenue. And around that time was that Sondheim thing at the New Amsterdam that the cast of Pacific Overtures did a number in. Oh, yeah. And I remember what, this is so bitchy, but I remember at some point I had clocked you amongst those things. And I remember seeing the number led by B.D. Wong. Yeah, yeah. And seeing you behind him. And I remember thinking like, B.D. is like a great actor who can't really do musical theater. (laughs) And he's dead center because people know who he is. And Telly Leung is a, star. And I remember just like seeing you behind and just like knowing that that there was just like an electricity, you know, you didn't, you didn't dance, but it wasn't just, I mean, you definitely had that, but it was, you were, you were like a triple threat. Like Um, really, like you danced like a star, not like somebody who just like sweated it out and knew where to step, you know? You know what? I, I didn't always, you know, I was sort of convinced that I was going to be that guy that graduated Carnegie Mellon and would, you know, sing high notes in the back and cover and that was going to be my that was going to be how I got onto Broadway and then I started doing summer stock and um the person who really pushed me to dance is you know god rest him it was Tommy Walsh Tony Award winner Tommy Walsh you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. day in Hollywood night in the Ukraine and um you know my one and only and uh you know when you're doing and he he wrote that amazing book about chorus line yes uh, yeah on the line on the line um but he um he you know, when you do stock, you have 10 days to throw up a whole musical and you're, you know, you're, they, they, he doesn't get to pick his dancers. You know, you get chosen. You're like, you're in this, you're going to do this show. You're going to do carousel mm-hmm. in the day. And then you're going to do a Gershwin review at night, mm-hmm. you know, while you're rehearsing Oklahoma next week. And then, you know, things kind of go up like that at the Muni. And so, you know, I remembered like Tommy was like, do you tap? And I was like, eh, no, nah, not really. He's like, you will in 10 days. <gasps> Right, because you're in the number. I mean, wow. had you had any of that dance training? I mean, of course you Mellon. do, but like I didn't start dancing when I was a kid. Were you even studying musical theater? I was. Yeah, oh, I studied okay. musical theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at the School of Drama. I was there during a, a really great time. You know, uh, uh, Billy. I mean, Billy Porter was there during that, like Michael McElroy, Natalie mm-hmm. Belcon, that time, right? And then there was that whole class. There was a, that whole next section of people that was like, you know, Christian Borle, Patrick Wilson, like that group, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I I was there. You know, during the um, Zachary Quinto, Matthew Bomer, mm-hmm. uh, oh, wow. uh, 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 Josh Gad, Rory mm-hmm. O'Malley, Megan Hilty, uh-huh. uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Like that was my that was sort oh, of like okay. my time mm-hmm. of being of being there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And are you friends with all those people? Still? Yeah. I mean, they, we all went to college together, mm-hmm. of course. That's funny. Yeah. Was it? And it was a small program. Yeah, like my my had a giant musical theater class, and my class was fifteen, and that was huge. Oh, wow. like the classes before and after me were like ten, nine. You know, mm-hmm. twelve. You know. So, do you, would you credit um, doing summer stock with helping you yes. get out of the ensemble? And, uh, and well, and, I think understanding that the ensemble is the hardest working yeah. <laughs> part of part of the the show, and under it helped me kind of just understand. Um, it, it just helped me understand kind of. W- w- I think I think 
everybody everybody serves a very important function in the theater. And mm-hmm. I had this great high school teacher who, who directed me in Pippin in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he directed all of our high school shows, actually. So he And he volunteered his time to do it. He never got paid extra to do it. His name was Vinny Grasso. He's no longer with us. But Vinny said, it doesn't matter if you're the star of the show or if you're the person whose responsibility is to sweep the stage every night. Everybody's job is important. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I think understanding that has actually helped me. Just going, oh, right, everybody has a part to play. Mm-hmm. The theater does not exist in a vacuum. You know, I, I say this too, that other artists, you know, you can be a sculptor and you can put, lock yourself in a room with a, with, a, with, you know, a big piece of rock and come out with something, right? right. Theater doesn't happen that way. Like right. if, there's no, if there's no actor to say the line, if there's no writer to write the line, there's no mm-hmm. actor to say it, there's no mm-hmm. director to tell you where to go, there's no lighting person. I mean, it, 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 it involves bringing people together and mm-hmm. everybody's function is important. One piece is missing and it's not theater the machine anymore. machine falls yeah. apart. It's not yeah. theater anymore. So I think... I don't know, like, I, I view everything as sort of as ensemble. I really do. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm Aladdin and I'm a leading man, mm-hmm. I go, what's my function as a leading man? Right. It's my function to, it's my function to carry the story along every night. Mm-hmm. It's my function to lead the morale of a company. It's my, so, like, in, in some ways, I, I kind of think of it that way, mm-hmm. you so know? When did you start adding on the cabaret concert um, oh, yeah. avenue to your... I, I started, well, first of all, I was inspired by... People like Patty, when mm-hmm. you would hear Patter on an album like that or see her at the Kerr, you were like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I also would go see Betty Buckley's acts all yeah. the time at the bottom line. I would go mm-hmm. see her, and you know, which is no longer here anymore in New York City, yeah. this tiny little club in the village. Um, you know, so I was, I was definitely inspired by, by those divas, for sure, uh, for, for Cabaret. And the, what was the other person that I, that I – oh, Karen Mason always did a lot of oh, Cabaret, yeah. right? And you would hear – even though I was oh, yeah. old enough to get into these clubs, you knew that they, that was something that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I remember my first Broadway show was Flower Drum Song, and it opened and closed in four months. And as a young person who, who just finished four years of conservatory training where you're eating and breathing and sleeping theater mm-hmm. and then jumping into a Broadway show, like all of a sudden to go, okay, now I'm just like a 22-year-old in New York City without any artistic, any mm-hmm. like outlet at all. I said, I got I to gotta push, I, I got to do this. I'm just going to go to Don't Tell Mamas. I'm going to like find a musical director. You know, in backstage, I found like a musical director in backstage. I talked to Sidney Meyer. I just said, hey, I'm a young kid. I just graduated. I was like, how do I book a room here? I just did it myself. Um, I, I became friends with Andrew Gans. Andrew Gans over at Playbill. Yeah, sure. Find some songs for me, actually. Pulled me a really great Judy Gold song, Julie Gold song, and, um, and said, try this, you know. And so how funny. was pulling material for me. You know, <laughs> I met Andrew Gans because I'd been reading Diva Talk every, oh, yeah. every Friday oh, obsessed. morning. Obsessed, me too. Playbill, all through college. And I had moved to New York and... He used to do this thing in his columns where he would reference like bootlegs that he had that the public didn't necessarily have. Uh-huh. And, oh, and Matters of the Heart, Patty's next album after Patty Lupone Live was coming mm-hmm. out, and it wasn't coming out for like, another month. But he referenced like a uh, like a, a teaser mm. EP that he'd been sent, and I like found his like email address and I like emailed him cold and I was like, I need that too. <gasps> was that the one with Back to Before? Yes. Not a day goes yeah. right and Playbill yeah, and all of those. Exactly. Oh, that was such a good. So album. Andrew sent me a copy and then like we became friends and started like having like video nights and all that because I was like, I need that Pylophone tape, but he gave it to me. It's so. I mean, I I hate to. I also I too had bootlegs. I was on AOL. Oh God. I was on all the chat rooms. Uh-huh. I you know because before the rent 
double disc came out, I had to get the the eight cassette tapes that was rent. Oh, Do you mean God, the bootleg? Yeah. You know the cassettes oh. of Betty Buckley doing Sunset Boulevard oh, in London. That, yeah, the, the you know the bootlegs of Carrie, mm-hmm. the musical that were all on mm-hmm. tape. Sure. You know Betty Buckley and Barbara Cook. Uh-huh. You know you had to have and all Maureen of it. McGovern. Right, of that, course. Like, demo. <laughs> yes, like I had to have all the. I had all the cassette bootlegs. Yeah. I wonder where those are now. Yeah. I would love to get oh, my hands. God. A lot of it's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I had you know my my piece of resistance was the was the Patti Lapone at doing Sunset, you know, Sidmonton. at Sidmonton, yeah, like at the the workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, I can't believe. Okay, I so I interrupted. So oh, gosh, Andrew Gans, you you oh, got yeah. to be friends. So with him I and he so gave really it was. I came time. out of a need to just keep doing it. I didn't mm-hmm. realize you had started um, doing that stuff so early. Oh, I did. I, I was twenty three, and I the, my first show was called Let Me Sing. Mm. You know, the Irving Berlin song Let Me Sing. Amazing. Um, Stephen Ray Watkins was my first. Uh, musical director. So you found good people. Um, and, I, and I charged an $8 cover just so I could make enough to pay Steven. Mm-hmm. And that's really how it started. Mm-hmm. Because I just said, I, I need to, I, I just need Did you consistently outlet. keep doing that as you built the rest of your career? Or was there a, a gap before you sort of came back as a star to like doing that? Oh, gosh. It's, it's, it's so weird. Like hearing the word star still <laughs> really like drives me, it drives, like makes me like a little bit like wince a little bit. <laughs> it's so interesting. I just had a friend of mine text me and was like, I- I'm, I'm writing this play. Are you too much of a star to come in and read for my play? I was like, wait, when did I become too much of a star to like audition for a play? I don't, I don't know. It's very bizarre to me to like uh-huh. hear the word star, but I don't know. I, now I, it's, it's become a whole other career for me, right? Like it's right. become a whole other way for me to make a living sure. between Broadway shows. And I love being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But really what I, I also found it in the beginning as an artistic challenge, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I started to then, as I was living in the city, go to cabarets and go mm-hmm. see people's acts. And I started to learn what I liked and I didn't like. Mm-hmm. You know, I always found that when people would just get up and sing their book of songs, I, I was always turned off totally. by it. But when I, whenever I got to go see somebody like, Patty or somebody yeah. like Betty Buckley. Well, but or even the real cabaret art. I mean, I met you w- what um, watching Brandon Cutrell. Oh yeah, and I mean, to me, he is someone absolutely who, I mean, almost peerlessly is really a cabaret artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could be like a Nancy Lamott. Absolutely, or mm-hmm. you know, just that. Yeah. it's not at all a recital kind of thing. I mean, Brandon no. has to, happens to have a really great voice, but he has a way of phrasing and building a number, yes. and it's it's its own kind of storytelling. Absolutely, and it, it's so exciting that it's individual. Yeah, that it's mm-hmm. not the same old song done the same old way. Yeah. And also that it ref- it goes back to I mean I you learn something about Brandon when you listen you, totally. when, you talk, mm-hmm. when he talks about his yeah. family and his shows and why he picked the song mm-hmm. you learn something about him. I know so much about Sandy Patty only Correct. because of Brandon talking yeah, about. But even her. that like that know. then I know oh right like he's a big Sandy Patty fan <laughs> yeah oh because he grew up in a really religious home yeah you know so you've it's learned something about him totally. like and that too to me I found that as the new challenge as an artist yeah in my young twenties as I was putting together cabaret shows oh it's not Telly playing a role mm-hmm. it's Telly is telly and to trust that my story is enough and that and to trust that you know if i am very truthful and honest about my story that it will inspire others to be truthful about their story Mm -hmm. it's just it's kind of what my acting teacher was trying to get at totally freshman year yeah and it was also something that i remembered like i was i was working on company with billy porter my senior year in college and you know when you go to college they teach you voice and speech and they teach you movement and they teach you technique and you the right way to pronounce words Mm -hmm. and all of that and the right Mm -hmm. way to phrase shakespeare it's great and then billy was like listen you say everything right you look right you're just not talking and listening to me and i was like what I am talking. I'm saying the line. He's like, no, no, no. You're saying the line. You're not talking and listening. Mm. Like, I need to hear you, Telly, speak these lines. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some sort of w- w- 
time where I, I lose Bobby in this and how mm-hmm. Bobby should sound and Bobby should be Telly, Telly should be Bobby. It should be you speaking this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was sort of, it, it sounds so simple, but it was actually a revelation to, yeah, a stu- right. to somebody who was a good student, mm-hmm. to somebody who went through years of training to like, you know, I, I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn. I used to say coffee, chocolate, water. It took mm-hmm. hours to like <laughs> knock that out of your system. And if I'm drunk, you'll still hear me say chocolate, coffee. Let's go Love get coffee at the that. diner. Like you'll still, um, you'll still hear me say like hairspray. Funny. Like I'll drop the R's. Do you uh-huh, know what I mean? Uh-huh. But like if I'm drunk, it'll still come out, you know? Um, that's so funny. I mean, that, it's, it, that advice is so important. And it's also so hard to implement because yeah. it makes so much sense intellectually. But how it do does. you then? And it sounds what's simple. What's the way in? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've had teachers say that to me. And then it's like. Uh, okay, but how do I do that? Well, and, you and, you know, someone, like, who was always a good student doing things the right way, when someone says no to say it to me, it's like there's an instinct. You're like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Wrong. And so that you automatically judge yourself, and that makes it all the harder. So so cabaret, it is the the epitome of that. There's no hiding behind anything. Mm -hmm. It is just you and a mic. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's so bare, and it actually... It, what ended up happening was working on Cabaret, like, made me a better actor. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what Patti LuPone said. That's what it actually en- ended yeah. up happening. It made me a better actor, a better storyteller. Mm-hmm, it, made, mm-hmm. it makes me a better, you know, I just emceed an event last night for BIV, for Broadway Inspirational Voices. Oh, great. Um, they're celebrating their 25th anniversary, this amazing organization. Mm-hmm. My dear friend Michael McElroy started this choir, yeah. and, and it, it made me a better, I didn't sing last night, but, you know, keeping the pa- Having pattered many years in cabaret yeah. and keeping an energy going for the night, like it helped me host. Well, that's an incredible testament to how well you've done, not just career-wise, but in terms of taking that advice from your teacher and being yourself and being a real s- storyteller and communicator. That Michael McElroy would want you, yeah, to do that, mm-hmm. not just to come and sing a song. Yeah, right. the fact that you're somebody that can be a personality the audience can relate to and have the host be yeah right, right. and and it's it's well thank you i um and i really i enjoy doing it i'd love to do more of it do you yeah. know what I mean mm-hmm. but also you know creating your own work also came out of necessity sure right. you know as an asian american actor there just weren't that many opportunities for me mm-hmm. you know i came to new york in 2002 saigon closed in 2001 and i was like oh Fucker. congrats that was it <laughs> i just lost my chance and not knowing that flower drum song was around the corner and yeah. not knowing billy porter was gonna like pick up the phone for me and like yeah. get me an audition mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so like i you know, I, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know. And so the cabaret keeps you going mm-hmm. as an artist and keeps your muscles going, and it's good for you. Well, um, all right, so we're running out of time. We have Uh-oh. a game that we play with our Oh, gosh. We have to play with you. Um, you know the game Mary Fuck Kill? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, no. So we play a game called Dolly Concert Kill, and we're going to give you three performers, and you choose one to see as Dolly Levi on Broadway, okay. one to see in a peak career concert Okay. your choosing and the third one i have to kill, to kill. Yeah. oh no oh gosh now some of the older generations struggle with this we made a special version dolly concert chill where dolly concert the hiatus on a hiatus but no you're under 40. oh like cryogenically freeze them yeah, no, so that you, we don't actually kill them maybe hilarious. like walt disney right. but like, no, you bad. actually have to kill them oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so i think uh, they obviously have to do patty betty and bernadette i guess patty betty bernadette it's pretty much the trifecta well i would i mean because because the other two ladies have Oh gosh, this is really difficult because at the end of the but day, also I think about kill somebody or chill somebody cryogenically yeah. freeze them. Yeah, that's, um, I and mean, I've seen them in, no so, in concert so often. So I would say, I actually, I would say, I would Dolly Bernadette. Wow. Okay. I saw Bernadette. She was brilliant. Yes, I yeah. have to make a confession. My favorite, and I've actually told her this, was Donna Murphy. 
She oh, was actually wonderful. my fa- she wonderful. was actually my favorite Dolly of all the Dollies. Mm-hmm. Um, Want to know my favorite? Who? Carol Channing. Carol Channing. Well, okay, got it. Understood. Yes, I also saw Carol. I saw her at the Lunt. There's nobody that's Carol, of course. But um, but uh, I guess I would. You know, I hate to say this. I would concert Betty. Uh-huh. And I would kill Patty wow. only what because I, I actually feel like she would. Online. Yeah, but I also feel like she would come back from the dead anyway. <laughs> That's true. true. Do you mean like you can't kill her? Right. You just can't kill Patty. Can't so kill. I'm going to try. She probably killed me. She'll probably kill you back. you first. Yeah, right. she killed um, me first. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, do you, is there anything we can we can plug for you? Um, oh, plug. Um, yeah. So I um, I don't know. I as a, New, a native New Yorker, I um, I um, I uh, I love uh, you know I love this town. And Billy Joel's New York State of Mind has always sort of been a, a, a New York City anthem for me. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do since gay, since World Pride was happening in New York City this year and we're celebrating Stonewall, I wanted to do a dance remix. I've never done a dance remix in my entire life, but I was like, let me try this. Is this so real? I've done a full dance. <laughs> Single. I, I just I've released it. It's out, so you can go on Spotify. You can go on it. iTunes. I'm such an idiot. You can go. Um, you can I mean, go download oh, all over my re- Yeah, you can download my remixes yeah. of New York State of Mind. Um, there's an awesome remixer that I love, and I also love dance music. Like that's the other. That's what I like listen to when I'm at the gym or if I'm walking down the street in New York City. I'm actually not listening to show tunes because that's what Who I do your favorite dance for my life. Service. But like you know, I mean, I love it. I love an old school Deborah Cox. I love an old like school okay. Thunderpuss. Yes. Is that yeah, like? I think, yes, I I will like. I love like. I'm listening to house music. Music and EDM mm-hmm, all the time because mm-hmm. just because I feel like it's good New York City music. Yeah, there's this too, great yeah. there's this great DJ out in Florida. Her name is Twisted D, but she's from uh, Long Island, and so she did it's a great Deborah remix Pops. on it. Um, <laughs> she does a lot of remixes of like Janet Tunes and stuff like that. So if you're on like SoundCloud or if you're on you know Spotify and stuff, you can get her stuff. But oh. um, she did a really cool mix on it. So I yeah, that's um that's right, that's we're out. all going to just get down yeah. to yeah, Kelly's it's a New dance mix of New York State of Mind, and also play it after the show too. Yeah, please please do that. So there's this co- there's this thing. Chita Rivera is doing this new thing called Chita and Friends. So we're trying it out for the first time. Well, and her, didn't you do that at Carnegie Hall? We were or? supposed to do it um, in Kansas City. Chita got sick, so oh, we had okay. to postpone the date. So we're going back. We're returning, and Wonderful. we're going to do the Kansas City date. Wow. And her friends this time are me and Corey Cott. Amazing. So Wonderful. she's basically found two Broadway leading men to be able to like hold their own mm-hmm. and sing some material of their own. But... I mean, I, like, I'm a Broadway leading man, but Corey and I are, like, so excited to, like, sing, oh, you're gonna see her Sheba right. Jimmy shake behind Cheetah Rivera. Right? I need all the videos. That's a Dolly I want to see, Cheetah yeah, Rivera. totally. Right? Wouldn't she kill it? Absolutely, Dolly? absolutely. You can get a taste. You can see pictures because she was in um, Jerry's Girls. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a number where they all did hello i think they all did together on broadway just leave everything to me or one of the numbers so you can see her in the drag oh just yeah for like oh absolutely drags. yeah and where can people follow you on social media oh yeah i'm at telly leon super mm-hmm. easy and my website's uh tellyleon.com amazing Yay. we love you telly thank thanks, you so this much this was so telly. fun you're so fun all right um thank you thank you so much. oh my gosh yeah sure I'm in a New York state of Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. <laughs> Come back next week for Real Housewives of New York City star Countess Luanne de Lesseps coming in to talk about Madonna's first album, Madonna. Other upcoming guests include legendary columnist Michael Musto, cabaret goddess Natalie Douglas, and Tony Award-winning lyricist and director Scott Whitman. 
This episode was recorded at CDM Studios in New York City and was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Special thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Remelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Remelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. It's Nolan with an A, isn't it? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.